So this is the Marketer's Dilemma podcast show. With us today, Steve Sassman. Steve and I, we go back a few years. We, yes. We originally met um, at a startup, right? Which was kind of uh, an agency slash startup accelerator incubator itself. Sure. Where I was working on the agency side as one of the first employees and Steve was leading the charge, I guess on the, were you more on the accelerator side? Well, no, I was with the uh, that SEO software side. There was a lot of sides involved. There was a lot of sides. Yeah. So give, give a little uh, like 30 second intro because that was the Sycara side, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, you know, it was a, it was a fun time, but um, anyway, and it didn't, you know, I was there a couple of years. I think you were there a couple of years type of yeah. thing. And uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it was what it was. Yeah. And so we, we've stayed in touch uh, since, since those days of, I guess, collaborated on, on some things. Um, what I've, always kind of found intriguing about you and um it's uh you know it's become kind of more top of mind for me as i've tried to get involved with the startup community here in rochester um which is not really uh bubbling like like the one in in phoenix was or and is continues to be is that you're always you're thinking of new ideas like and that to me is one of the marks of a true entrepreneur you're always kind of ideating, testing things yourself. Um, and yeah. a lot of it successfully, I would say, you know, mo most of it. Um, <laughs> but, and like you're, you're doing it on, you know, you're, you're bootstrapping it, right? You're not out there like oh, yeah. looking for a million dollar investment. It's you're investing your own capital. Um, a lot of sweat equity as our friend Gary V would say. Yeah. Um, and one of your latest ventures, uh, has been this, this Tesla business. Um, you've done a lot of things with, with Tesla vehicles for the past, what, six, six years or so, five, six years. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Since 2014. Yeah. So what, what is your latest, uh, foray into the, into the Tesla world? Well, let's see. So for the first time in six years, the last three months or so, I've had no Teslas. And for the, the prior six years, I had anywhere from one to as many as three at a time. And I was doing, you know, I was doing Uber, I was doing Lyft, I was doing um, Turo, a lot of the rideshare, or not rideshare, but the uh, sharing economy type stuff. And then, um, but when the pandemic hit, I kind of got out of all that and I sold everything. And now I am very excited because I've got a couple of new ideas, as you mentioned, that are, that are bubbling that I want to work on. And, and the very first one is I just got the, the new model Y, which is a little crossover SUV. And what I'm going to do with that one is I am going to attempt to be the first person to actually create a Tesla snow plowing business. 
So actually, um, uh, my first little adventure is I'm going to run up to Durango, Colorado, mm-hmm. pick up a little snowplow that will fit on the back of the Tesla. And then I'll bring it back to Flagstaff, Arizona, which is up, up in the mountains in uh, Northern Arizona, which is where my vacation rental cabin business is. And, um, you know, I'll start doing my own cabins and then try to branch out and get a bunch of other clients as well. And, and then I'm going to document the whole thing on YouTube, try to, um, you know, inspire some other people to try interesting things and, uh, see where it goes. Yeah. Love it. So what's, um, like what, what's your marketing message? What's the value prop or how are you differentiating? Like why would someone want to order a Tesla vehicle to plow their driveway versus a Ford F-150? Sure. Well, first of all, I've got a couple of unique challenges, right? Because I actually live in Scottsdale, which is a two hour drive from Flagstaff. So I really, it's going to be really hard for me to be someone that, because the snowplow business works a couple different ways. You can either be the type of person that says, Hey, I'm going to do your, your property every single time it snows. I'm going to charge you this much for the entire year and you can count on me to be there every single time. Right. Or you can charge per event per snow snowstorm. Well, the first one for me is really going to be out of the question because number one, what if there's a surprise storm that I'm not there for? And then I, that would be bad service. Right. Mm -hmm. Or number two, say I'm off on a road trip doing something else and I'm, you know, four states away and then it snows. And once again, I can't get to it. And then once again, bad service. So I really, that whole one half of the operation, I can't even do. So I basically have to do it on a on-demand basis, meaning I'm going to basically announce that, okay, I'm here and I can do, you know, as many jobs as I can do in the next 24, 48 hours, however long the storm lasts. Right. So that's my challenge is I got to come up with some kind of innovative ways to, to market that and to get the word out on short notice. And then also, um, you know, try and, but you know, there's a lot of good things I can do with, you know, next door, um, which is the kind of the neighborhood app, which I'm involved with. And then, you know, there's Facebook marketing. And then I, I think I can even do some, hopefully some stuff with PR, right you know, using the whole, Hey, it's a Tesla snow plowing. It's, that's a very unique and kind of weird, crazy thing. So maybe, um, like I've done in the past with some of my other projects is I've gotten some amazing PR, which could just, you know, give me more business than I'll ever need. Right. The kind of the problem though, with, um, with Flagstaff, as far as if for this business is snow is very intermittent. Mm -hmm. We had one winter where we got four inches of snow the entire year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I could literally make, you know, 200 bucks Mm -hmm. and that'd be it for the whole year. I mean, that's a, that's a possibility, right? The other possibility is it snows quite a bit and, you know, maybe I can make, make some okay money for the, for the time I do it. So it's really, really challenging as far as that goes. But for me, it's really not about how much money I'm going to make on this. It's about, illustrating and trying something new and something fun and something that can, once again, you know, motivate other people to try new, interesting things. Got it. So you're, you're thinking ahead around how you can potentially create some, some content out of this kind of productize it, package it, 
and monetize that down yeah. the line. Um, very interesting. How, let's say you, you generate all the, all the awareness, you generate some, some demand in the Flagstaff area uh, to start. How would someone reserve your services? How, how does someone book you? Well, okay. One of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to get a big, um, my, my URL is teslaplowing.com. So I'm going to get a big sticker that I'm going to put on the actual plow. So anytime I'm driving around town, it's going to have that, which will be very visible and easy to see. And that'll drive them to my webpage, of course, which will, which I'll break down all the, the information. And in part of that, like you said, what makes me different is, the plow that I'm getting as well, it's, it's a very, um, it's kind of, it's a home type of a plow. In other words, it's not a huge, you know, five foot tall, um, big steel, heavy, um, plow that you're going to see running down the highway. Right. It's, it's kind of a little dinky thing. Um, but it'll actually work right. It, you know, in, in all, but the biggest of, of blizzards. Um, so, that and it has a rubber blade the very bottom of it's actually thick rubber so the benefit to that for the customer is it's not going to scrape up or dig up their pavers or it can even go across grass and not tear up your grass so it really in other words i can't mess up their yard at all Mm. which is kind of nice and then uh, you know i'll also tout the the fact that you know hey there's going to be no emissions on you know no whatever i mean not that you know, most people won't care, but it's at least something to talk about. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and it'll be quiet. There'll be no noise. They could, you know, they could be asleep and I won't wake them up type of thing. Um, yeah. So there's, you know, there's a, there's a few interesting little twists I can add in there. Um, and the other thing too, that I'm going to try to attempt to do is typically in the snowplow business. I mean, you do the, you do the work and then you try to chase the money afterwards. Well, I'm a big fan of getting paid first. So I'm going to try to incentivize the people to pay me first. And then that'll prioritize them as far as getting their job done before someone else who didn't pay first. Right. Mm. So we'll see if that works. I mean, these are all just kind of, you know, ideas that I have right now. And, you know, I'll know a lot more once I've done this a time or two, we'll see what works, what doesn't work. It'll be a lot of testing and experimenting and, you know, just doing it on the fly and seeing what sticks. Right. Yeah. The, the quietness factor, uh, that's an interesting value prop. And I like, I like the Tesla tumbler there. Um, you know, as someone that has uh, a young, you know, a toddler, you know, that, that morning sleep time can, can be vital, right? Because if they, if they hear just a little bit of noise, they're, they're up and, um, me now living in upstate New York, where we, we're kind of known for snow in, in, in this oh, part yeah. of the country. Um, and I have someone that comes and plows my driveway. And sometimes he's out there at 5 a.m. And you hear him, you know, scraping that that asphalt, you know, at yeah. 5 a.m. And it's waking everyone up. Oh, yeah. Um, so the fact that it's quiet. Uh, and I wonder if you could, well, I don't know. Now I'm like, my mind's shooting off. And if, if you can incorporate SMS into it or, or something with texting that, you know, you can, you can send a confirmation out, Hey, your, your driveway is done. Right. That be, that, because it's so quiet. They don't even know if you came until they, they're out of bed and checking yeah. outside the window. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Um, 
And what I, one thing too that I'm going to do, I'm going to incorporate using like Google Maps, right? Because what I want to be able to do is have someone. At first, I was like, "Hey, can you text me a photo of your driveway so I can get an idea of what to quote them?" I'm like, "Well, that's dumb. Number one, that just makes them do a lot of work that they don't need to do. All they need to do is text me their address. I'll have my iPad with me. I can pull up Google Earth in two seconds and and go, oh, this is what it looks like. Okay, great. This that'll that'll be thirty dollars, or oh, it's a really big one. It'll be eighty dollars, or whatever, mm -hmm. right?" So that's another yeah. way to kind of use some technology to make it to, uh, to automate the whole process. Very cool. What was, uh, what was your original inspiration for? For this part of it? Oh, yeah. Well, um, well actually, so, so I have some cyber trucks on order, right? The big, huge trucks, which are coming out next year. Mm -hmm. And I was super excited to do um, snow plowing in one of those. Um, but you know, that's still a year or two off. And I was, so I, I kind of put that whole thing to rest for a while, but then this year, you know, when I was trying to get someone to, um, do my own properties up in Flagstaff, um, you know, I texted the guy that I used last year, Hey, um, are you going to be able to do my, uh, my driveways this year? No reply. I'm like, okay, well, and then that actually, it's funny because that actually motivated me like, oh God, I have to try to find another person. It's, it's hard to find good people that are dependable up there. And it just motivated me like, okay, you know what? I'm going to figure out a way to make this smaller Tesla work. And I, uh, you know, I, what did I do? Of course I hopped on YouTube. I started doing some searches. I found some um, really interesting videos of people plowing with regular cars and then I figured, then I found one that was doing it with the, the back tow hitch, which I'm getting anyway. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, boom, this works perfectly. So yeah, it's going to work great. And I think with the Tesla specifically, since they have an amazing backwards camera, when you back up is since it'll be on the back, which would, is kind of a pain, but with a huge backup screen, I think it'll be, I think it'd be great. So we'll see. I mean, it's all, it's all speculation at this point, but yeah. And you touched on something else that, you know, when I moved back here and you, you don't think about this stuff and you're living in warm weather parts of the parts of the country um, is you have to get all these, you know, the lawn maintenance, the, you know, services and, and snow plowing and you have to get all this stuff on contract, right? Because that's where, you know, you, you save a couple of bucks at least. Um, and in upstate New York, you'd want to get caught in a situation where you are, you know, having to call someone every time it snows. Um, yeah. and I found it really difficult getting a hold of, of companies or, or individuals, like the customer service aspect I found was just really lacking or even before the customer service, the, the sales part of oh, it, you yeah. can't get anyone on the phone. And then, um, they have really kind of antiquated business practices. So, you know, a lot of them don't take cash app or Venmo. They, they oh. need a hard, a hard check mailed right. to them. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing. I am specifically going to try to get them to use the cash app or whatever. And then I'm going to even say, Hey, you get an extra $10 if you sign up for the cash app, because that's part of the cash app. It's either five or 10, depending on what their promo is. But but yeah, I mean, that would, you know, that gives them another way to save money. And then it makes my life a heck of a lot easier because I don't want to deal with a check or, you know, 
regular cash or whatever. I mean, it's cash app or Zelle or Venmo and done. Right. Yep. Um, so is the plan to maybe not to franchise it, but to build out a fleet of Tesla snowplow vehicles? Mm, yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone down that far down the rabbit hole and I don't know, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how much, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, on that one, you know, my other idea that I'm going to, that I'm concurrently doing as well, that one may, that one will have more potential, I think, to like, to, to uh, expand into scale than the snowplow thing. Um, especially just cause like I said, the snowplow thing is so weather related and I mean, I'm sure like up where you live, you know, up by where you live in, in the whole Northeast and in Colorado and other places, um, it's a much more dependable thing. Yeah. But you know, where I am, it's just very hit or miss. So it's not like it's, it's a side gig basically, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you, you have the blueprint for something that could be successful and you've, you've used the kind of, you know, the Tesla brand to generate interest for some previous things that you've, that you've done. And a lot of, you know, a few of them made national news, right? Like the Tesla hotel. So yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one thing I learned very early on was that the Tesla name is media gold. I mean, it really is. It's like, you attach that to anything and it's an instant headline. So yeah, when I put together the whole eight, the whole Airbnb hotel thing, you know, the world's fastest hotel, I mean, that's all I had to do and it was over. So. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully that, that translates to, to this latest venture. Um, yeah. As, as someone that you know follows the the company closely, and I believe you've you actually been to to the factory. Um, is there anything that you're kind of you're excited about that you know Tesla's coming out with? I know that obviously the truck that you have on order, but is there anything else? Even any uh, software updates to their current vehicles that you know are piquing your interest? Yeah, sure. Well, two things. First off, yeah, the Cybertruck actually went to the Cybertruck event. I was, you know, feet away from, you know, the stage where they were, you know, throwing the ball at the window and it broke and the whole thing. And mm. I mean, it was, I just remember standing there next to some dude I, who I had never met and like 10 times we kept going back and forth, looking at the stage and looking at each other and just going, what in the hell, you know, and just like, oh my God, this thing is crazy. I mean, we do it was just nuts. It was just nuts. And, you know, at first we're like, is this thing even real? I mean, what is this thing? It's just, it was just such a mind blower, you know? And then over time, I didn't even know if I liked it at that, at that point, but then over time, the more I thought about it and the more versatile I thought about it, it, it you know, it being, you know, basically indestructible, it's not going to rust. You can throw rocks at it. Who cares? Um, you know, it's faster than a Lamborghini. It's, it's got amazing, um, you know, things it can do. I mean, you can sleep in the back with and have a ton of room. It's got that tonneau cover thing. So, so I don't know. There's just so much about it that I love. 
And so that's super exciting. But then the other thing is, as far as software is the, I don't know if you've seen any of the latest videos of what's called FSD, which is full self-driving beta. Mm. Um, it's only been out maybe two weeks and it's really, 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 um, a huge leap in, um, in the quality and in the functionality of autopilot. So now they're basically, you know, they can basically go from one point from point A to point B with zero interventions. Now there's sometimes when you, when they do inter, inter, have interventions, you know, where you have to take over um, a time or two, but they're, it's getting to be really, really good. So for a long time, I was starting to get very skeptical in terms of uh, the autopilot and wondering if it was ever going to be to the point where you could actually have the car drive and like be in the back seat or whatever. But now with this latest update, it's, it's, it's still a far, it's still, I think a year or two away at least. But I, uh, to me now I can see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I can see that, okay, this, this has legs now it's got enough of a foundation where I think it's actually going to work at some point. So it's pretty exciting. That's cool. And you think uh, Tesla is going to be, are they leading the pack right now? So obviously, you know, Google's working on self-driving tech, Uber, who's going to be, who's going to have that first mover's advantage? Well, I mean, Waymo is a completely different thing, right? In fact, they already have right here in Phoenix, they already have driverless, um, the driverless, there's no one in the front seat right now. So they're already doing it. However, each one of their vehicles costs something like, and I don't know if this is right, but something like $250,000 with all the equipment on it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it's very, very expensive. And number two, it's geofenced. So it only works in a pre-mapped, pre-planned area. It's not like, um, whereas Tesla is going about it in a completely different uh, route where they're not using LIDAR. They're not using all this expensive technology. They're using just cameras. Same thing we have, two cameras. That's all we have. And they're doing it with a, just a different approach where they're basically going to be able to have the car go anywhere in the world, even places it's never been before and be able to go through whatever, you know, whatever kind of road or circumstances that it comes upon and, and do it correctly. So obviously that approach is a lot harder. So it's going to take longer, but once you get there, then you automatically have it and it works anywhere in the world. Whereas the Google approach works on a very small area mm -hmm. and then they have to go figure out a whole nother area, you know, little piece by piece by piece. So, I mean, I, you know, I, the Google's, a, you could say is ahead right now, but I think in the long run, I think, I think the Tesla approach is, is a smarter way to go. Plus not to mention they'll have, you know, millions of vehicles on the road that can do it. So. Right. Well, yeah. And if it's costing, you know, a quarter million to, to get uh, a vehicle with that capability, that's, Sounds like it's pretty much cost prohibitive from a consumer standpoint, right? You, well, yeah. I mean, how many how many Uber rides do they have to give just to break even on that vehicle? Right. I mean, right. Yeah, yeah. You you almost have to have an, an existing trucking business, right, or uh, a fleet of vehicles. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm struggling to put together 
I don't want, I'm, you know, cost savings, right? Because you're, you're automating and you no longer need drivers, yeah. human drivers, but from an upfront cost standpoint and over, overhead, I mean, what, do, what does maintenance look like on that, uh, on that thing? If something breaks down, right? Sure. Yeah. Piece of that technology breaks. <laughs> um, well, we, we can count on Phoenix probably continuing to be uh, uh, like the lead test market, right? Because of the ideal weather conditions. It seems like anytime I hear of Tesla testing or Uber, it's always, it's always in Phoenix. Oh, I know. Yeah. You, you don't see it uh, starting out in, you know, Manhattan or, <laughs> or India or somewhere. Which maybe they should. Maybe they should. <laughs> If there's any AI involved, it would it would get trained a lot faster. If okay. uh, they're driving ten miles an hour, start stopping every ten seconds. Exactly. Um, well, very cool. Um, I'm sure I will. I, I will stay abreast of everything that you have you have going on um, with regards to this new venture. Um, I wanted to ask you, so obviously, you know, like 2020 has just been a crazy circus of a year um, in a lot of different ways. Uh, as someone that, you know, kind of tests the boundaries, pushes the boundaries as a, as a marketer, tries to do some, some innovative things, have, what have you been kind of thinking or, or considering in, in 2020 that, you know, a marketer of any kind, digital marketer, you know, someone that's in advertising, what can they be doing different? Um, keeping in mind that, you know, consumer behaviors have changed. We're not going out as much. We're home, we're on our phones, we're in front of, you know, whatever other screens yeah. we have. Um, and, and you're launching this business kind of what is hopefully on the tail end of, a pandemic. Um, it's sounding like next year, maybe key, later Q1, Q2, after 70% of the country gets vaccinated, we'll go back to being in a somewhat normal state of things. But what can a business like yours, someone that's looking to start a business now, what can they be doing differently to, uh, to attract eyeballs, to gain some traction so they're ready to kind of hit that hockey stick uh, next year. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I just think it's all, you just, it's always about just being aware of what's going on, trying to imagine, you know, what the next six, 12 months is going to look like. Um, and then just be flexible. You know, it's, I mean, it's hard. It's been hard, you know, for everyone, right. To stay positive, you know, this whole year, just because it's been a dumpster fire, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's always opportunity, always opportunity in any situation. So you just got to look at that and, and try to just adapt and, you know, get out the piece of paper and, you know, make a list and pros and cons and brainstorm and all that good stuff. And, and just see what you can come up with. Cause there's definitely a way to make, even if it's, going from, you know, horrible to just mediocrely bad, that's better than staying at horrible, right? So, um, 
I don't know. I personally, I'm pretty confident though. I mean, I'm, I'm super excited about this news about this, these vaccines with like 95%, um, effectiveness. Uh, I think that's going to be a huge, uh, boon to everything. I, I'm, I mean, I think we're going to have a hangover in 2021. I mean, it's, you know, the first part of the, there's still going to be a lot of problems. And then to me, also the financial hangover of all of the stuff that we've had to do to keep this thing afloat. I mean, I don't see how at some point that doesn't come back to bite us. I don't know. Um, what do you think about all that? Uh, how do we deal with that? Um, I don't have all the answers or any of them probably, <laughs> but, um, you know, working at a, a digital marketing agency and, you know, managing a portfolio of 20 or so clients, most of them actually in healthcare and pharma. So they've done okay. Uh, but our retail clients, um, our franchise businesses, those have taken a, a big hit. So, you know, my concern is for, for the small, small businesses. It's even, you know, even in a city like Rochester that has somewhat, you know, historically been isolated, you know, it's just a smaller city. Mm. Um, like when the, uh, you know, the market crashed in, in 08, it's just, there wasn't as big of an impact here, um, as some other places, obviously, uh, real estate has always been somewhat stable here, but even now just driving around, you see, you see a lot of dark, uh, dark office space, um, you know, stores with lights off, um, and the local news just, you know, this place is going out of business. That place is going out of business. Um, I actually sadly got, I received an email from my old gym in Chicago. Uh, it was this beautiful brand new gym in, in the heart of river North closed their doors, uh, just last month. They couldn't, you know, just couldn't sustain it anymore. So I, I worry about kind of how that's going to come back, right? Like we know that small business drives, drives the economy to, to a large extent. So, but at the same time, the latest metric that I saw is there's been more uh, LLC registrations in the last two quarters than I think like um, in the last five years combined or something like that. I mean, I'm, that stat is off, but it, just a huge number of, you know, new businesses being, being started. And obviously that's uh, due to a lot of folks being laid off and, and looking for new pathways to generate income. Um, but hopefully there's some kind of like a merger between the businesses that we're losing and the businesses that are being started. And also those new businesses maybe being a little bit more future proof. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think a lot of this is temporary too, though. I mean, like gyms are definitely going to come back once this virus is done. I mean, why wouldn't gyms come back? Right. Why wouldn't restaurants come back? Even though, you know, they've taken a huge hit, obviously. Um, and some are just not going to be able to make it. And then, but others will pop up in their place once things are back to normal, you know? So, I mean, there's, that's the thing. I mean, some people may get caught. There's definitely going to be people that get caught in, in a bad place at the, you know, at the wrong time and they're going to lose their whole life life's work essentially. And it sucks for those people. 
Um, you know, unfortunately, in a time of massive change, that's that's kind of always going to happen. But you know, to to try and not have that, you know, be your fate, I think is just you know trying to once again trying to be as flexible and forward thinking as possible so that you can avoid you know falling into that trap. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we talk about digital transformation, you know, and in my business and you've, you, you, you've dealt with it too, you know, kind of coming out of the tech, you know, software agency in space. And I think that's just accelerated that need um, for a lot of legacy businesses, whereas they've, they've gotten by kind of doing things, you know, using old business practices and not accepting digital payments, not using things like Venmo and, and Cash App. Um, and now all of a sudden everything's gone remote, right? If yeah. you were a retailer that didn't have a strong e-commerce uh, side of your business in 2020, I mean, you could make the argument you weren't really adopting with, you know, the changing consumer behavior and in sort of, uh, you know, keeping pace with, with the times. and the pandemic happens and you need to figure out how to use a Shopify store real quick. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it definitely like accelerated a lot of trends, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't have your online presence dialed in by now, I mean, how many years warning did you have in the first place? But now it's like, okay, you better get it. You better get it dialed in. Yeah, and that's a, I'll, I'll anonymize it a little bit, but one of one of my uh, clients um, was a, a mattress store this year and going back to, to last year, uh, a mattress manufacturer in, in retailer. And they had, you know, this kind of very idealistic approach to uh, e-commerce, which is um, we want people to come into the store. That's our value prop. We we're going to charge a really high shipping fee, um, and we're but we're going to be you know transparent about it. It's two hundred fifty bucks to to ship. We're not going to play around with the pricing of our um, of our goods, and we're we're really you know table stakes for us is driving consumers into the store because our conversion rate when someone walks in and lays down in one of our mattresses is you know seventy percent or so they would say. Yeah. Well, now your stores are closed, right? Or they're partially closed and people can't go in and, and land your mattresses. So whereas before you kind of thumbed your nose at Tuft and Needle and Purple, right? And all these kind of mattress in a box where you thought that they didn't, they weren't delivering as high quality of a product as yours and you were this premium brand. Well, their their business was set up to scale. Their, their business is set up for convenience, fast shipping, fast returns, yeah. right? Still some guarantees uh, built built into, into the value prop there. And now you guys, a business that's been around for 30 plus years are having to play catch up in a matter of months to grab that same consumer attention right. that you've been bleeding because you had this kind of idealistic approach to, you know, only wanting to drive people to your stores. 
Wow. Yeah. What a, what a great lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you don't want to become the blockbuster of the border books, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, Yeah. Well, what else, what else do you have on, on your plate? Anything exciting? Um, well, the next thing after the, uh, snowplow, if you want to talk about that. Yeah. What else? What's next? Well, so the next thing in the summer, and I'm working on it right now to get my ducks in a row, but is something called hot shot trucking. And basically what it is, it's, um, it's, it's, a a niche that's below semi trucks, right? Obviously, um, you know, with the Tesla, I'm not going to be competing with semis, even though the Tesla semi is coming out. I really have no desire to be a Tesla semi driver just because those things are just so big and obnoxious. I mean, I'm, I don't want to get a special driver's license. Right. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there's this whole subculture called hotshot trucking where, and the typically, People have like a, you know, a dually, you know, four to three fifty or whatever. And they're, um, and then they got this big 40 foot long trailer and then they're getting, um, smaller loads or, you know, they're, they're hauling construction equipment, farming equipment, you know, building materials, what have you from point A to point B. And they actually can make pretty good money. I mean, some of these guys can, you know, bring in two, three, 400,000 in revenue, you know, on one, one pickup, you know, for the year. And, you know, they have some big expenses, so they're not netting 400 grand. Um, but what, so what I'm going to try to do is do the same thing once again, but do it with a Tesla. Right. And, um, and I was, it was the same thing with the, with the snowplow is like, I really was going to do it when the Cybertruck came out. But I'm like, you know what? Why wait? I'm going to do it with the Model Y with a smaller trailer. And I'm going to, you know, get all the kinks worked out and figure out the whole business um, on a smaller scale. But the, the beauty of it in doing it on with a smaller vehicle and a smaller scale is while my income is, is going to be limited, so are my expenses, right? My my cost to get in, like the trailer that I'm going to buy is going to be probably around five grand. A lot of these trailers, these other people are buying are 15 or 20 grand. Right. Um, and then my fuel is going to be next to, it's going to be so cheap because a lot of these guys are spending two, three, four grand a month on fuel. I mean, they're typically driving 10,000 miles a month at, you know, nine miles per gallon. Mm-hmm. So imagine, you know, how much your fuel costs are yeah. when you're doing that kind of mileage and that kind of bad fuel economy. So when I'm doing it in a Tesla and getting amazing fuel, um, fuel prices. And so I can do the same job for, and make a lot more profit. Would you travel the same distances or because your, your payload is smaller. So you're targeting a different kind of. No, I can go just as far or whatever. It doesn't matter. The distance doesn't matter. Although I will say I am going to, in the winter time, basically going to stay mostly in 
California and Arizona, Nevada, the warmer spots. Um, because until the Cybertruck comes out with a 500 mile range, like the car I have only has about a little bit over a 300 mile range. Well, when you're towing something big, that can get cut in half. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can't really throw, you know, driving through the snow on the, on top of that because cold, <clears throat> cold weather makes it even more challenging. So definitely want to stay uh, in the warm areas, at least uh, until springtime. And then I'll venture out into the, you know, anywhere and everywhere type of situation. Got it. So you're, who is your, are you targeting construction? Well, the way it works, it's, it's an interesting thing. And once I've dived in and done the research, so basically what you do is once you get your, your department of transportation number, and your uh, and another number called the MC number, which allows you to do interstate transport. Once you have that, basically you go to what's called the load board. And basically it's just, a, it's like a matchmaking service, right? Someone who has a load posted on there and then all the truckers who are trying to move freight, you know, they're signing up for it. And whoever gets it first gets it first type of deal. So it's like, I mean, technology has definitely um, enabled that kind of whole situation to happen. Um, because now I can compete and and I can grab, you know, whatever. But the cool thing about it is it's completely entrepreneurial in that I can do whatever I want. I mean, I can, do I want to go to Texas today? Okay. I'm only going to, I'm only going to look at, um, freight that's going from Arizona to Texas. Oh, wait, I want to go to uh, Seattle. Okay. I'm going to, you know, go that direction or whatever, or, you know, and Oh, that one's not paying enough. Fine. I'll, I don't want that one. Oh, that one's paying a lot. Great. I'll take it. You know, so it gives you a lot of, uh, flexibility and where and what you want to do. Hmm. And that, that exchange, uh, marketplace where you, um, you know, match the, the need to, to the service provider, is that run by a, private entity or is that state state run? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I think the, um, I mean, as far as I know, the load boards though are <clears throat> just a service. I mean, they're like, a. Um, I mean, there's brokers who have the, the loads, right. And then there's all, there's also direct shippers too. Um, you know, a specific company and they may have their own employees that, that run the shipments. Um, but that's kind of out of the, not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, you know, they don't have anyone that can do it themselves. So they need to put it on the load board and then put it up basically kind of for auction, if you will, even though they're already putting a price, they're saying, okay, $1,500 to run it from, from LA to Missouri or whatever. Right. And then, you know, they'll have a bunch of people trying to get that. So, So yeah, it's just, it's just basically a marketplace. It's like dating for freight, you know? Yep. Yep. So if you have, um, let's say there's a big snowfall in Flagstaff and there's a a well-paying trucking gig that takes you up to an interesting part of the country, how are you going to choose? Well, what I'm going to do, um, 
right. And especially for this year is I'm going to try, I'm going to, I'm just going to follow the weather. And I, you know, you can tell just by looking at the forecast, if there's anything on the horizon and if there is any storms that are, you know, potentially going to snow, I'll just hang around Arizona. But if it's like, for example, right now we've already had one snow, but like, as far as the calendar goes, there's, there's no snow. So I know for the next two weeks I could be gone and I'm not going to miss anything. Right. So I'm just going to, I'm going to prioritize the snow, even though that's probably not the right financial decision, but just because I want to try to, I try, I want to, I want to give the, the snow thing a, a fair shot. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm going to prioritize that just to, at least for one winter, just to give it a, give it a go and see where I go with it. Yeah. And then right. the way, the way I look at it too, is, I mean, in the summer, I mean, I'm going to be doing that all the time anyway. So I'm going to have plenty of time and get plenty sick of that to where I want to be like, Oh man, I want to be home instead of in, you know, Kansas or wherever I am. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I'm sure you've, you've researched this, but would you be the first Tesla hot trucker? Of course. In that space. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I mean, I want to, that's, and that's one of the reasons I want to do it this year with an unconventional and not perfectly ideal vehicle to do it in. Um, Cause I imagine by the time the Cybertruck comes out, there'll be a number of people doing it then, but I want to, I want to basically be the first one to do it. And that's, I think how I'm going to get a lot of action and traction uh, on my YouTube channel. Um, which, and then by the time, by the time the kind of the, the, the general interest of it kind of maybe dies down from doing it with a regular car, then I'll actually get my cyber truck. And then I can do the, everything I already did this year over again, but then now with a cyber truck, and that'll be a whole nother level of interest, I think, just because there's going to be so much interest around that vehicle. Yeah. <sighs> So the, you know, that the question that all the entrepreneurs get, right. Um, or founders, when they go in asking for, for investment, what's your exit strategy, right? How am I getting my money back? Um, since you, I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you like this like approach of, you know, ideating and testing and trying new, new things every few years. Um, is there an exit strategy or are you going to wait for Tesla to kind of roll out, a new vehicle, a new tech, and then you'll kind of, you know, put together an idea around that. Well, I don't know. Here's the deal. So basically, you know, the last 10 years or so, I've basically been in the vacation rental business, right? Which I think is a great business. I've enjoyed it, but honestly, I'm kind of burnt out on it. And ever since I got my first Tesla, the, the, the reality of it is I've been, that's really more my passion, right? And I've just been more excited about doing things on that end than on the vacation rental side. So my, what, my, what I'm trying to do is basically over the next year or so is basically figure out a way to completely go onto the Tesla side, right? And I think the, the bridge, the thing that'll make the kind of the exit strategy, if you will, 
will be the YouTube deal. Um, if I can make that work and you know, there's, it's a lot of work and you know, video editing is a pain. And I, I so that that could be my downfall. <laughs> That's going to be the hardest and most annoying part of part of it. But if I can get past that and make that all happen, um, I mean, it's pretty amazing how many people actually make a good living on YouTube. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I think I'm going to have enough unique content where if I don't totally screw it up, I can actually, you know, <clears throat> do pretty well with it. So to me, that would be a great exit strategy, being able to make, um, you know, because the whole point of the channel that I'm going to have is basically showing people how to make money with their Tesla, right? So I'll be making money with the Tesla, but then on top of that, I'll be making money on YouTube. And then, you know, I can do other things. I can do eBooks. I can do, you know, there's all kinds of different ways you can make money, you know, on top of just your standard YouTube advertising income. Yeah. The, the rev share. And you can, you know, if you're creating audio versions, obviously you will, um, of this content, you could push it out to all the kind of standard podcasting channels and, and monetize that. Um, there's thresholds that you have to meet, right? Certain amount of streams or downloads, but, uh, if it's popular content, that could be a nice little, um, you know, revenue stream, passive income, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know if that's an exit strategy or, or not, not really, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the other thing too is maybe getting, um, you know, if the, we'll see how the trucking thing goes, but the, you know, there, there are, there are ways to be able to, you know, hire truckers underneath you and things like that, where you can uh, scale it that way as well. Um, we'll see. I mean, if I did that, it would be specifically for, you know, people that are driving electric cars or trucks, I should say, um, rather than regular ones that those would be the only ones I'd be interested in working with. But, but, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, you know, we're still in the very, very baby steps, very, very, very beginnings of the whole electric vehicle revolution. And so, you know, I mean, I've got maybe what, you know, 10 years, 10 good years of hard work left in me. And, um, you know, I'm sure this whole, this whole thing is going to still be cranking for that long before and before it'll be uh, time to take a break. Well, you're, you're pioneering a lot of these things and right. Uh, in, in some ways, just based on, you know, what I've followed of, of your content, your, uh, your Tesla, what did you call it? Um, cross country road trip, Tesla, the Tesla road trip. Well, <laughs> yeah, I had one. It was a really a bad name, but, uh, yeah. What the million dollar Tesla trip, that one. Yeah. Was that, yeah. was that the official name? That or was the name. It turned out to be the like $3,300 Tesla trip. Almost there. <laughs> yeah. Very close. Yeah. Uh, that, was a, that was a poor decision, but it really the, well, it, it actually would have probably worked. And just to like the whole idea originally was, you know, I was going to get sponsorship put on the car, uh, adding up to a million dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
the problem was, is I tried to do this whole thing in the span of like literally like two months. I mean, you're just not going to do that. You know, I almost got one sponsor that would have been pretty decent, but it, it just didn't, it, I didn't have, it just didn't work and it was not enough time. So anyway, actually I do have another idea that I'm going to possibly try to do another sponsorship deal, but we'll see. That's kind of just in the planning stages right now. Um, but that would be with the cyber truck, of course. Yeah. Well, the, what I was getting to is you, you generated a lot of really interesting content and you met some really unique folks along your, oh, yeah. your journey. And, uh, a lot of them had businesses or interest in electric vehicles and in Tesla specifically. And, um, it seemed like, you know, what you were doing was at the time kind of a first of its kind, which I think speaks to the fact that like, when your uh the tesla hotel story got picked up it landed on like cnn right oh yeah no that, i mean that thing was <laughs> that, that was literally everywhere it was on cnn you know abc world news tonight it was on every blog you know i remember reading it on gawker on one of the uh, i think it's uh jalopnik yep yeah. oh yeah it was on there it was and then there were some hilarious titles too in fact my, one of my favorites was um, douchebag rents out his Tesla for $85 a night on Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> that, I never forgot that one for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember there was a, didn't the guy live blog, uh, his experience of actually sleeping in, in the car I, or he was doing an AMA on, on Reddit, I believe. Oh, what, right? Didn't you, didn't you have a journalist that came and actually... No, I did. Well, I had, two. I had two different journalists that did that. And um, I can't remember if one of them did that or not, but um, they were they both turned out to be pretty funny articles because um, it was it was fairly comical. I mean, they were paying to sleep in my garage, in my car, and they literally couldn't drive it or do anything. All they could do was sleep in it. Um, but, you know, whatever. It was a, It was a good story. It grabs headlines and, and we're yeah. living in a, in a headline grabbing world. So, um, oh, man. yeah, if, if you can, uh, if you can use that brand to your advantage to capture some, some clicks and some interest, then fantastic. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many examples of it, you know, and it's like, and I'm already interested in it and it's already right up my alley anyway. So it's like, you know, why not? You know, why not? I agree. I agree. Um, well, this was a great chat. Um, really enjoyed learning more about the business you have coming up, uh, the snow plowing venture and the one that's we can kind of keep an eye out for, right? And sounds like 20, 2021. The trucking or is that yeah that'll be more 2021 okay summer type of thing okay where you, you have some domains created but if someone wanted to look you up or, or get in touch what's the best way yeah so i've got it's kind of a mess right now just because i have an old site that's still that i don't want to get rid of because it still has a lot of good seo juice and whatnot so i'm gonna probably house a lot of the stuff on that same site, even though it'll be, but anyway, I have some, uh, 
I have a couple different domains, but I'm probably the main one I'm going to push is probably just going to be called, um, it'll, that'll go to my web. I'm sorry. That'll go to my YouTube channel, which will be called uh, Tesla income. And so the web address for that, I'll just be Tesla income.tv. And um, it's not actually live yet, but in another month or so, it'll be all set up. So. Well, when the, when the graphics come in, we'll have that overlaid somewhere here. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, very cool. Uh, I enjoyed, enjoyed the chat. I'm sure we'll be, we'll be checking. Yeah, we'll have to do, we'll have to do a, a multi-part series on, on this and see how your, your business is, is evolving. No, it'll be, I would love it just for my own, uh, just for my on my own to just to see how much of what I actually said came true or if I was completely off base, which is probably the case. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, you know, the, the mark of an entrepreneur is you, you have to get out there and you have to try these things, right? Oh yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll definitely fall on my face, but you know what? I'll get back up. That's right. That's right. It's, it's more than that. You know, a lot of us whiteboard ideas and then never actually put anything in the practice You're You're doing it. So yep, yep. Um, be, uh, be exciting to continue that, to follow the journey. To me, that's the fun. I mean, you know, just take your swings, man. You're only here once. Give it a go. That's right. I like that. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, well, great talking to you and uh, we'll do it again. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Steve. Yep. See ya. Yeah.